We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. gentlemen welcome back to the cubicle chat podcast i'm your host my name is stunning steve barber and today it might be kind of more of a opinionated editorial but hopefully you know uh kind of based in what i consider to be a historic facts of course that might also be an opinion but uh but there you go because one of the things that that my wife and i have actually been trying to teach her son uh because we definitely we've been having some different opinions with him but trying to explain to him Yes, it's fine that you have. Uh, I want you to have opinions. I absolutely and and even if you don't disagree with, uh, if, even if you do disagree with me, I'd rather that than than you agree with me. But because, um, well, if you disagree with me and your opinion is based on facts, I'd rather have that than you agree with me just because you're just going by whatever I say, regardless. So, but uh, but I am going to kind of present uh, my opinion my kind of story about why i prefer uh heavy metal in other words yes i'm a metalhead i have been a metalhead uh ever since high school i want to say probably freshman year of high school uh and which was a long time ago <laughs> we'll just say it was a long time ago it was uh when i had started getting into it and i just want to kind of go through my history and why i still prefer metal and why uh i will probably always prefer metal over any other uh, genre you know but first i want to go ahead and get the contact information for the show if you'd like to email the show about anything really anything at all please send it an email to cubicle chat podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also find the show on facebook uh, at cubicle chat podcast you can also find them on twitter twix x whatever elon musk has decided to call it this week at cubicle underscore chat and if you give on any of the platforms that you use, because we're the shows have done just about every audio platform there is. If we're not there, let me know. Send an email, cubicle chat podcast, or hit me up through Facebook or whatever and say, Hey, my friend uses other or you use this other platform. You know, you just happen to hear this on a different platform, but say, Hey, it's not on this platform. Can you get it added? Because I have actually had to do that before. Uh, ironically enough, Spreaker is one of the ones that. I'm uh, not Spreaker, I'm sorry. Stitcher is one of the platforms that Spreaker 
who I go through. They're actually the ones who, um, who I actually host all this through. Um, and I upload it to, they, uh, do, they were not connected automatically to Stitcher. And I actually had to go directly to Stitcher. But Curse the ironic thing is Stitcher is no longer a thing. They actually went defunct last August, I believe. But, but that is a case of, yes, I will get the show added if need be. And, you know, so, but you, if you go on the platforms where you can give a rating, especially ones we can give a review, if you give a five star rating, it helps the show. Uh, it actually helps with the algorithm. It shows, hey, people are actually listening to this show and actually helps with the, the listener base of the audience. Because if you like it, let me know. Of course, by you letting me know or putting the rating, it lets other people know there is a show out there that somebody likes. If you're able to give a review and that's some, something like an Apple podcast or Spotify, good pods, I know those you can. Uh, I will actually read your review on the air. So if you can give a five-star rating and review, definitely. If you're on one of those, uh, and I'm not going to tell everybody what platform they should use, but yeah, but if you actually happen to prefer a platform that does not give the capability of uh, giving a review, just give the rating anyway, but do a screenshot and email it to me along with a review, and I will still read that on the air. And like I said before, if you don't want me to read your name, just let me know. And I won't do it. I mean, because I actually do respect people's privacy. And last but not least, definitely want to thank Nate Metz and Stoveleg Media for including me as part of the Stoveleg Media family. Go to stovelegmedia.com and click on podcast. And you can see a lot of the other podcasts. You can see all the other podcasts they have. Just a, a kind of a smorgasbord of a, a variety. And if there's something that you like, I'm pretty sure you can find the podcast there. We're talking about true crime. We're talking sports. We're talking just life in general. Now, so uh, check it out. Stove leg, they're awesome. Now, now I want to get go ahead and get started on why I happen to prefer metal. You know, because this is Wednesday, and I decided Wednesday was going to be my music uh, day because this is what I've been doing now for the past few weeks. And instead of focusing on a band necessarily today, I'm actually going to just focus on the genre. And I've actually mentioned into in some of the earlier shows about like my childhood taste in music and kind of how I grew as a person. Cause I think everybody kind of goes through that, you know, you it's uh, the term, I guess, finding yourself, but I mean, um, but as a child, I mean, a lot of times you're listening to whatever your parents listen to. And so in my case, you know, especially when my, uh, when my parents split up, I mean, I was seven uh, six or seven years old, but my mom listened to a lot of the older country. She also had a big record collection of a lot of stuff from the fifties and sixties. Um, you know, you know, a lot of Motown stuff. I did like the the Motown, but, uh, but usually when we were in the car and I want to say our car was, was old enough. It actually had the AM radio. It didn't really have an FM radio or the FM radio. I think the antenna was broken. And so we could only pick up AM radio. And so we listened, uh, a lot of the newer country was still being played on the AM radio. And by the way, Everclear have the song AM radio and I just got it stuck in my head, but actually not a bad song, but some of the bands that they were being played there were like the Oak Ridge boys. And I actually had two Oak Ridge boys, um, eight tracks. Some of you kids may not know what an eight track is. Ask your parents or maybe even your grandparents, but, uh, but I had the Oak Ridge boys on eight track. I had a couple of them because I had the song Elvira. And then later on they had Bobby Sue and they had, a lot of other songs, but some of the stuff from like the fifties and the sixties, you know, the, um, 
like my mom liked Kenny Rogers in the first edition. And so I would hear a lot of that. My mom didn't really play music a lot, but um, she did appreciate it. But later on, I started uh, listening and to stuff that I would hear in school and I would hear at some of my um, like my cousins who live right down the road from me, I would actually hear it at their house. And they actually listened to a lot of uh, rap, hip hop, and then you know, some R&B. My very first cassette tape, not eight track, but cassette tape I ever bought was Midnight Star, no parking on the dance floor. Obviously not metal, but that's what kind of what I was into. I also listened to a lot of Run DMC, Fat Boys, um, you know, so then Beastie Boy, the Beastie Boys were, they were associated with Run DMC at the time because they actually did a tour together. And the Beastie Boys, I mean, yeah, they were rap, but they were not the typical rap because they threw some rock elements in there. I mean, um, Carrie King from Slayer actually played guitar on their, probably their most famous album, uh, License to Ill. He actually played guitar on a couple of the tracks. Uh, the one he's, he's credited with is actually No Sleep to Brooklyn actually had in the liner notes. But and then I was listening to some pop, some rock. I really didn't know, um, I guess, what, I was really into, but I mean, I had like the Jake Isles band. I also had that freeze frame. I had that on eight track. Um, and then on cassette, I also had like Falco, uh, when the song rock me on Medeus came out and Vienna calling, which by the way, those are all, those are still two good songs. Uh, and unfortunately he died in a car wreck, you know, uh, however many years after that. And around 1986, 87 frame, I was, and I started hearing other, Music, which, by the way, I mean, I'll be one of the first ones to admit, I did not listen to hard rock heavy metal at that time uh, because I was almost, it was almost like I was afraid of it. And part of that was um, because I bought into the rumors that they were, all these bands were satanic. And it was part of the satanic panic that was going on at the time. Um, and then I heard Led Zeppelin's one day on the school bus going to school because somebody had a jam box on there. And depending on who your bus driver was, sometimes some bus drivers were cool with a kid bringing the radio to play it while they were riding to school. Some bus drivers were like, absolutely not. Well, this bus driver was okay with doing it occasionally, not all the time. You know, she didn't want to hear it every day, but occasionally she would let somebody bring it on, play music. And then somebody played uh, it was Led Zeppelin 4, and of course, the very first song was Black Dog, and I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And plus, we actually didn't have cable TV at the time, so we definitely did not have MTV. I don't even think MTV was necessarily a part of the local cable system anyway, not at that time, because MTV, I mean, it wasn't, it's not like MTV came up, and well, it was automatic on every cable system out there. That's not, that's still not the way things like that work. But, but I was listening to that, and then I heard, some other friends, you know, who were listening to like ACDC, more about them later. Um, but what really, really uh, turned this around, and actually I will say one more. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. And I also have my wrestling podcast, the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. Uh, one of the, arguably the greatest tag team in the history of wrestling uh, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, The Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. They came to the ring with the song Iron Man by Black Sabbath. 
And if you know, and it's one of the most famous riff, riffs out there. It's one of those riffs that and and a lot of record stores or not record stores, I'm sorry, guitar stores have actually asked, please do not play Iron Man. It's part of it's part of the list of songs. I've actually talked to some owners of the uh, the local music store here, and they they have said there are some uh, songs that they hear people play all the time. They, they're they not going to put the sign up. It's kind of like in the, the movie Wayne's World where Wayne is trying to play the uh, the Fender Stratocaster and he starts playing Stairway to Heaven. Uh, in the theatrical version, you hear Stairway to Heaven in, on the home the home DVD, VHS release, whatever. You're not going to hear that because of licensing issues. But the guy says, oh, no Stairway. No Stairway to Heaven. Because at a lot of music stores, they don't want to hear it anymore. But Iron Man, Stairway to Heaven... Um, Smoke in the Water, those are some of the ones. Um, I think Smells Like Teen Spirit was another one. I think they said they hear a lot because they're easy riffs to play. They're fun to play. But they've actually said, please don't play that. And, you know, so Iron Man, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but then you hear the name Black Sabbath. And then this is even before I knew Ozzy Osbourne was the, the original lead singer. And, you know, so I was, um, you know, afraid, you know, of listening to hard work and metal because I bought into that you know but then one of the big things that really changed my musical taste in uh, December of 1987 uh, during Christmas break it was my freshman year of high school and we lived in Pine Bluff North Carolina and my future stepdad he actually lived he lived in the apartment right next to us there was a block of three apartments and he lived in the middle one we lived on uh, one of the end ones and he and my mom had started dating and they, he had not actually proposed to her yet, but he took me up to Indiana, uh, over Christmas break when we were only up there for a little over a week, but over Christmas break, I mean, he, uh, it was kind of a bonding experience for me and him, but, um, his, well enough, his, uh, pickup truck did not, uh, had the radio itself had messed up. He couldn't tune it or the speaker, something happened. So, my mom had actually gotten me a new uh, jam box. You know, it was a dual cassette uh, player, you know, record player recorder for Christmas. And she went ahead and let me open it so we could actually have something, you know, so we're not just riding in silence the whole time. And so off we went. And he listened to a lot. Um, I mean, he liked a lot of your classic rock. You know, he liked um, Ted Nugent. He, he also liked um, Deep Purple. He liked Foreigner and Moody Blues, things like that. And I know Moody Blues may not kind of fit in, but Moody Blues, I mean, they had some, they have some rockers too, but, um, but that was the kind of stuff we listened to on the way up to uh, Campbellsburg, Indiana. I mean, we're talking, it's like a 12 hour drive. And then while we were there, um, one of his uh, sisters, you know, she was only two years older than I am. She actually had a pretty decent tape collection as far as like uh, stuff. And so I actually, while we were there, I dubbed, you know, we went and got some blank tapes and I dubbed a lot of her tapes, a lot of AC. She was a big ACDC fan, but ACDC queen, uh, those are some of them. And then I was making mixtapes uh, out of some of the other, other things that she had. And so that really got me started on the road to heavier stuff. And when we got back to um, North Carolina, I had other friends, you know, who listened to stuff like Quiet, Quiet Riot. They were one of my favorite bands for a while. And, 
you know, but really it was just like the one tape, you know, metal health, but there's something about it, you know, and I had not even seen the video. I just knew the bang your head, you know, I just, uh, it just kind of, it just drew me in. I just, I liked that, you know, it was something I could, you know, kind of sing along to. And, you know, so started doing that, adding more, um, ACDC. And then one day, you know, one weekend went over to my, uh, my dad's house, my biological dad. And at the time he was not married to my stepmother, but I mean, she and uh, I think three of her kids were living there. My stepsister or future stepsister, I should say at the time, uh, she was actually six months older than me, you know, so we had been in the same grade all the way through school. And she saw that I had, you know, this ACDC tape with me. I don't even remember which one it was, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it, I mean, like it matters. I mean, it may have been back in black. It may have been who made who. It may, it was one of, one of those, but, uh, she went and told my dad, oh, ACDC are bad. She had just went and saw Aerosmith in concert with her at her boyfriend who was 10 years older than her. And she was in high school, you know, go figure. Uh, but you know, she and I didn't always get along and it was because of reasons like this, because she would always be a snitch on me. Uh, but would always portray herself to be like Miss Innocent, which she was not. I'm not going to say too much about her because she actually passed away a few years ago. Um, you know, so I don't want to speak too, too ill of the dead, but at the same time, you know, but she did tell my dad he didn't like, you know, he had never even listened to ACDC, but he went by her word. You're listening to this band ACDC. I don't want that. I heard, you know, they are bad. I don't want them back in my house. So if I did bring him back, I mean, well, I don't think we had too many more um, times where we visited his house anyway before we ended up moving. When my mom and stepdad got married, and then after that, we ended up moving to Kentucky anyway. Uh, you know, so it really didn't matter. But when we moved to Kentucky, and I know people may find this kind of surprising. Yeah, when I, I started adding, really started listening to more and more, you know, metal and gradually listened to heavier and heavier and heavier bands that I was actually adding uh, to my tape collection. Yeah. Just before, well, CDs were a thing, but people were still collecting mostly tapes. And um, it was when we moved to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, well, Hopkinsville, you know, was a town. First of all, the town we had moved from Pine Bluff was about 900 people. We moved to Hopkinsville and it was about 30,000 people huge difference you know to me hopkinsville is this big big city people in hoptown thought i was crazy you know i was like well you don't understand this is where i used to live and this is what where i'm at now and they actually had a record store in town in the the mall which the mall i, I don't even want to talk about that mall now it used to be the penny round mall now it's not even a mall it's like two stores on either end and there's not nothing in the middle i don't even know if the two stores are still open but the, the building's still there but anyway they had a record store called the sound shop you know, it was very similar to a record bar. Uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, just down the road, actually had a record bar. A record bar is a, a better known thing. And yes, there were a record bar and things like that in Fayetteville, North Carolina. But Fayetteville to us was still 30, 45 minutes away, depending on what part of Fayetteville you're going to. You know, so that it was just, you know, we didn't go to Fayetteville a lot. You know, so now all of a sudden we had the sound shop, which was just a, a few miles away right there in the same town. And I was able to just start adding more and more to my collection. Then I would uh, trade with 
kids at school and sometimes I would borrow their their tapes and I would actually dub, you know, uh maybe not the entire tape, but at least certain songs. I mean, and so that's when I started adding, adding like Metallica. And that's when I started adding uh, Megadeth and uh, some of the other uh, heavier bands. And I was starting to listen to like Exodus, uh, some Slayer. I really didn't get into Slayer until I was in my thirties, you know, which was kind of wild, but, um, but there was something about it, you know, because with, with metal, I was really attracted to like the heaviness of the guitar and then the musicality behind those riffs. And I honestly, I could relate more to the lyrics in metal. And part of that, because like I said, I had listened to some of the, some country when I was a kid. And, you know, well, I like the the music, the musical merit for country music, uh, even now is just fantastic. You know, I mentioned that a few weeks ago when I was talking about the death of uh, Toby Keith. You know, there's a lot of great music. I actually like Toby Keith was one of the exceptions. I actually really did like his music. Uh, but country music, you know, has a reputation. They always say, you know, what do you get when you play a country music record backwards? You get your you get your wife back, you get your dog back, you get your truck back, all that. Because a lot of the, it, it all seemed to be singing about the same things. And I was not a farmer. I was not a cowboy. So I couldn't, it was to the point I couldn't relate to those lyrics because they were about stuff that had nothing to do with me because, you know, I did not, I mean, we lived in a small town, but not like we did not live on a farm. We didn't live like so isolated away because not everybody who lives miles away from their nearest neighbor live on a farm. Sometimes they just live in a house. It just happens to be a good distance away from maybe because they live next to a farm. And I live in Ohio now. I see that all the time. But I but I couldn't relate to it. And a lot of the stuff they were singing about, and, you know, hey, we're singing about losing, you know, I just lost my job, just lost my house. Well, I mean, I was, you know, not even a teenager, you know, uh, or maybe early teens. I couldn't relate to that. You know, I didn't lose a house. My mom did one time, but I didn't lose it. But I know I had never had a job to lose. You know, so, and none of that, but I mean, I can only take so many songs about beer drinking. Woohoo, beer and whiskey drinking. I, you know, because I'm like, I didn't do that. And not at that time, anyway. It did later on, but I still couldn't relate to it. You know, so uh, rap was rap and hip hop, but mostly rap was actually kind of evolving also um, into something I just could not relate to because, especially like when gangster rap came in. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't appreciate what they were saying. Um, you know, because when NWA came out, they were they were game changers. I'm not even gonna lie. N- NWA really changed a lot of things, and um, you know, I can I can appreciate the the rawness of it and the pretty honesty, you know, honest lyrics about things that are going on, and I could listen to uh somebody, but I couldn't relate to it. So it's kind of hard for me to sing along to it, especially when they're using certain words that. I really was not, you know, I couldn't sing certain lyrics. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and I couldn't, sometimes I just could not relate to somebody singing about their, I mean, they were telling a true story. I mean, I'm definitely not uh, slamming for them. I mean, they're telling about their experience, but it was hard for me to relate to uh, someone singing about being black in the inner city because, well, I was none of the above, you know, but like I said, I mean, I could, I could listen to it. I uh, just, 
you know, but you're not going to listen to something that you can't relate to all the time. You may, you may have some in your collection, but not a ton. And, um, and plus rap and even worse now has also evolved into a lot of um, diss tracks. Okay. Metal does have diss tracks. I'm not saying they don't. Every genre has those kind of um, things where you have, they actually have a personal feud against somebody or they don't, you know, but I'm, I'm talking about personal diss tracks. No, I'm talking, hey, I don't like this government official. I'm singing a song about it. No, I'm not talking about that. I mean, that's just singing about politics. Okay. I'm talking about when NWA was, uh, when Ice Cube left the group and then later on Easy E left the group. And then they were all, you know, just throwing that uh, shade against each other. Uh, but even those, it wasn't like the entire album was about that. You know, you would have certain songs, but now, I mean, you have it a lot. And then, and then when the East Coast, West Coast thing, which, by the way, speaking of mixtapes, go check out the mixtape podcast. Let me give those guys a plug. Uh, because here a few weeks ago, they actually did a a, uh, a, pod, a podcast episode all about the East Coast versus West Coast thing. Uh, very interesting. Um, very informative. There are some things that I didn't know about what was going on. And I enjoyed it. So I definitely want to give that a plug. That was actually, they did that a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, they've done other episodes since then. But they're just good podcasting. anyway. just go check out. You know, so... But metal was actually talking about a lot of other other things, even if it was not necessarily something that I, I could relate to. I mean, they weren't like I said, country was singing about a lot of adult type topics, not X rated adult. We're talking like, you know, something like I said, they lost their wife. Well, I wasn't married um, and they're talking about losing their job. I'd never had a job. They're talking about, you know those type of things i could not you know and i was like man i don't i don't know if i want to you know <laughs> that's, it became a little too depressing uh sometimes even but either that or they were going the other route where hey, let's go party have a beer have beer drinking beer drinking whiskey boom 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 okay um so when i started listening to metal it was talking about other topics there was a rebellious nature of the songs that just appealed to me and like I said, especially when we moved to you know, two states away from where my dad was living, uh, who did not want me bringing ACDC into his house. And it's not like my dad was a uh, real religious person. It had nothing to do with that. You know, I mean, yeah, he does go to church. Yes, he's, you know, he does consider himself a Christian. But that was not the reason. It was because, you know, somebody else had told him that, oh, this is bad. You know, somebody who was trying to get me in trouble. And I don't want that in my house. Well, don't have to worry about that because I don't live anywhere now. I'm not going to even go into your house. You know, but that rebellious nature, uh, it just appealed to me. And then when I got my first guitar and I realized, you know, when, uh, when I bought the guitar magazines and I was actually trying to play these things at, at 14, 15 years old, like, wow, um, it actually takes quite a bit of talent to, to write and play these songs. And so a lot of it was the speed and the technicality of a lot of the bands. I mean, and I'm not talking like the, the bands that are maybe considered metal, but they're, they, they're, you know, kind of on that border on the cusp of heavy metal and hard rock. Uh, and that's a band like an AC, ACD. So they were my band for a very, very long time. 
Um, and they'll tell you that they don't consider themselves heavy metal, the rock and roll. Uh, but I mean, I think every metal band after them kind of says, oh, ACDC are definitely an influence. And, you know, with the technicality, ACDC are definitely not the most technical band. But that's when I started listening to like Metallica. Uh, Anthrax is another band that I really liked a lot uh, back then. Um, Exodus, uh, some Testament, uh, another band out of Minnesota called Power Mad. Uh, and then also discovered Headbangers Ball. Ooh, that was three hours on a Saturday night of nothing but metal. Uh, now, they also play a lot of hair bands. I, also, I did listen to the hair bands um, and, as well. And then other uh, kind of the proggier bands like a Queensryche or a Fate's Warning and you know, bands like that. But but that was, that was part of the technicality that I enjoyed because I'm also a band nerd. That's actually something else. I can appreciate uh, musicianship. And there was such a high energy about it because a lot of metal evolved from punk. Punk is known for just being very, very energetic, you know, very fast, you know, and just super high energy. Uh, but when you throw like the brutality and the heaviness with it, you know, that's what kind of melds that and makes it more um, what's considered to be metal. And yes, I'm aware of all the uh, the subgenres and then the, then the subgenres of sub subgenres and then the mixing of genres and you know, um, of the different flavors of metal, because you have like the black metal, you have the death metal, you have the black and the death metal, you have folk metal, you have uh, speed metal, you have symphonic metal, you have symphonic power metal, you have power metal. You have um, like a band like Orphan Land out of Israel, great band, which they are, uh, I've, I've seen them classified as oriental folk metal. No idea what that means, but I do know they're a great band. But yet, but just that heaviness of it. And I know some of the metal bands, they actually do have a l little bit lighter songs, even thrash bands, uh, Metallica do, um, like a band like Death Angel do. And, you know, so, but it, you could still be heavy without just slam, slam, slam riff all the time. But when you look at the lyrics, and this is one of the things also that really drew me to metal, uh, and it's not necessarily something that I could relate to, but it's something that I could enjoy more. And, like the imagery, because metal, I mean, it, it is kind of like a movie in a way, you know, just the way they write the lyrics. It's not like Nicki Minaj, you know, writing, you a stupid hoe, you a, you a stupid hoe. I mean, I mean, they're singing, metal bands are singing about war. Then they're singing about like fantasy type stuff. A lot of their, I realized later on that a lot of the bands uh, like Led Zeppelin and some of the other bands like A Man of War, things like that, they're pulling their lyrics straight out of Tolkien's books. They're, they're coming like straight out of Lord of the Rings. Um, but it's stuff, you know, as a, you know, teenager, teenage boy, I could really uh, enjoy like watching if it was a movie. You know, they're also singing about horror type stuff, Black Sabbath. That's where the, the name Black Sabbath came from. It was an old Boris Karloff movie. That's what they were singing about was horror. They were not singing. They're, they weren't saying, hey, we're going to sing about Satan. We're going to say, no, that's not what they were doing. If you think otherwise, you're you're actually not uh, reading the lyrics. But they were also, some of the songs were also kind of thematic. I mean, they they were talking about insanity. They were singing about depression because these are the things. Now, those were things that I think everybody could actually relate to um, because you had you know, like Metallica singing about sanitarium. Well, welcome home. Sanitarium, it does about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, Anthrax had the song Madhouse, same thing. You know, they're singing about, you know, a sanitarium, you know, somebody uh, who's gone insane and then depression because 
a lot of people think, well, metal makes people go depressed and unfortunately take their own life. No, a lot of people, they listen to metal because they're trying to get away from that. It's a way of them to getting their aggression out. But they will sing about depression because it is very, very real. They also have social lyrics. They sing about drugs. I mean, there's quite a few bands who sing about drugs and really the dangers of drugs. The song Master of Puppets um, is about drugs, very specifically cocaine use, because he talks about taking your breakfast out of a mirror. Uh, they sing about racism. The song um, the song Native Blood by Testament. Uh, this is all for one of their, I will say later, I mean, this album is around 11, 12 years old now. Um, but it's off the, the album Dark Roots of the Earth, and it's a song called Native Blood. Well, Chuck Billy is Native American, and he's actually singing about uh, maybe certain experiences he had grown up. You know, and the song is very, very anti-racism. Uh, and then, you know, they there's been bands Anthrax saying about homelessness with the song Who Cares Wins. Now, this is actually one thing I want to kind of pull out real quick, kind of a, a side note. Anthrax put out that song. They actually put out a video for it in 1989, I believe. And it's off the State of Euphoria album, because I actually have it on tape. And it's that's also the album that has the song Antisocial, which might be, you know, one of their biggest commercial songs. Um, and that's actually a cover song, but it also had the song Who Cares Wins. That song they actually they talk about homelessness and they talk about, you know, who cares wins, basically, you know, help out the homelessness. In the video itself, they actually provided uh numbers where people could call to actually help like donate money and actually you how can you help out the homeless they actually did that i mean so they were very socially aware they they actually did this for a cause but within like a year or so phil collins puts out a song um another day in paradise where he sings about homelessness did not have any of that same stuff but all of a sudden the mainstream uh, music people the music press and they were all oh look what phil collins is doing you look what he's 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 trying to help out the homelessness. Anthrax did it first. Thank you very much. And I don't hate Phil Collins, but I just thought that was, you know, and I'm not going to say he shouldn't have wrote the song, but I'm just saying it's kind of rude to say, well, he's the first one when no Anthrax did it a year before. And they actually didn't, they made more of an effort to try to help. But because, you know, they're metal and people look down on it. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, metal actually has a, a, a social conscious as well. But, you know, but then again, they also have a lot of the songs that are kind of anthemic, which they talk about moshing and headbanging. Exodus, Toxic Waltz, that's a song about moshing. You know, everybody's doing the Toxic Waltz. Um, you just go throw your partner against the wall, and uh, if you hit the floor, you can... Yeah, awesome song, actually. And then that, that was actually the first Exodus song I heard. It was off the album Fabulous Disaster which the song itself, Fabulous Disaster, is talking about nuclear war. Uh, also in the song, they have uh, The Last Act of Defiance, which actually talks about a prison riot in a New Mexico prison that happened in 1980. Uh, they also have, uh, you know, kind of like horror movie type lyrics because they, they talk about, you know, uh, like a creature down in the swamps of Louisiana, a song called Cajun Hell. Another one that actually starts off, off with an acoustic riff. A lot of people wouldn't think of that about Exodus, uh, but Another, I mean, that to me is actually my favorite Exodus album. I like it better than Mine by Blood, which is their first and everybody considers a classic. Yeah, I like, uh, I like Fabulous Disaster better, but that's just me. But, well, a lot of things also 
with metal is the lyrics are about fighting back against abuse and perceived oppression. I mean, we're talking about true rebellion. Like, um, don't let somebody tell you who you should be. You figure out who you should be. That's like, it's also being, you know, nonconformist. It's saying don't go along with the crowd. Unfortunately, though, you do have this examples of when everybody is no longer, when everybody's um, rebelling all at the same time, well, it's not really rebellion. Nobody, now you're no longer being a nonconformist. You're conforming to the non nonconformity way, if that makes any sense. I'm not going to get into any examples of this, like in the real world, because uh, it could actually kind of accidentally kind of slide into political speech. Um, you know, because unfortunately you have some people that just jump and say, I believe this. Well, do you? Okay, what are you basing it on? Because somebody else did. Because that's, so that's one of the things. If you are, uh, if you are actually acting in a way that, that you consider to be nonconformist, but you're acting like somebody else who's, Saying, you know, well, you're still being a conformist. You're just conforming to a different mindset and mentality. But but anyway, um, well, metal lyrics are also the the themes, the subject matter for a lot of the metal songs are are controversial. You hear that all the time. Heavy metal has been controversial since, you know, when, when it first started. Black Sabbath were controversial. Ozzy Osbourne solo has been controversial. And you have a lot of the other, Metallica has been controversial. Megadeth has been controversial. You have a band like King Diamond has been controversial. Um, you know, Slayer, another band controversial. Basically, all of black metal has been controversial. Now, some of them, uh, it's well learned because, you know, unfortunately, you do have some of those kind of bands who, uh, they're very not anti-racist. I'll just leave it at that. And they actually uh, subscribe to an ideology that uh, should have been taken out completely back in the 1940s. I'll just leave it at that. In certain countries, it's actually illegal to actually be part of a group like that. But um, but some of the other controversial subjects, suicide. You know, people don't want to talk about it. Depression. People still don't want to talk. Even though people have actually opened up more to it and admit it, look, it's okay to say, you know, I suffer because I'll be the first one to tell somebody. I mean, I'm not going to go out and just automatically tell a perfect stranger, hey, you know what? I've been diagnosed with depression. But people who know me, they actually know that. And I've actually also spoken about that on the show before. I've been diagnosed with depression. I've been di- diagnosed with anxiety. Uh, I've been through a lot, which kind of caused that. Uh, my time in the military also, unfortunately, it's one of the things that, it's kind of a military stereotype is, oh, well, they, they must have depression. Well, you're probably right, you know, um, but, uh, but with metal, they're not afraid to tackle those controversial subjects. And I found that then historic, if you are an Iron Maiden fan, you already know this. Iron Maiden, a lot of their songs talk about history. They talk about mythology. They, they, um, a lot of military type songs when they, you know, they, they also talk about, um, let's see, well, some of the things, like from an Iron Maiden song, um, Icarus. Yeah, and I know that's like Greek mythology, but Icarus, they they have a song about that. Then they have a song about Aces High, which is actually talking about the uh, the fighter pilots of World War II. 
You know, they actually, they, they, Alexander the Great. I mean, they, they talk about our friends of subjects. Uh, Iced Earth. I know they're another band. Uh, I don't know what their status is because of their lead singer, John Schaefer. Um, I don't know if he is in jail right now. I'm not going to get into all that, but Iced Earth, another band. They actually, Iron Maiden was actually one of their, um, their biggest influences. So Iced Earth, another band, they have a lot of historic, um, historic references in their songs. But and actually, they're they're actually a good band too. Because um, actually, everything I've heard from them, I actually do like. And I actually, I believe I might have some of their albums downloaded um, that I've been able to get over the years. And so I'll have to actually look. But another good band. And but one of the things about metal also, and this kind of goes back to one of the other points, metal really appeals to the marginalized because that's one of the things. Um, I had a friend of mine co-worker when I was in Maryland actually once tell me he said anytime somebody comes to somebody new comes to our our flight our duty section you know our um our crew you know and then we're talking like you know 100 people whatever he said um he said if they're like strange if they're freaky if they're weird he said more than likely you're going to be friends with them I'm like yeah you know what you're right because I don't think anybody should be alone you know, and that's just my because I know what it's like to be left alone, not because I want to be alone, but because I was kind of shunned. Maybe it's another reason metal appealed to me, you know, but because it does appeal to the people who have been marginalized. And metal will sing about religion. Obviously, people, and that goes back to my very earlier point about uh, some people think that metal is just evil and satanic. I'm like, you're obviously not actually listening to it. You've never listened to it. You don't look at the words. You go by what somebody else says, because if you look at them, uh, some of the, now I'm not going to say there's not bands like that, you know, a band like Deicide where uh, the lead singer slash bass player, Glenn Burton, I mean, he actually comes out and says he is a Satanist. King Diamond himself. Now he's going back between, he's, they said he's a Satanist, but now he's saying that he's not, he's more of an atheist. Um, you know, or he's kind of an agnostic, you know, but his themes are, he has a lot of concept albums, you know, but his themes are always kind of on that darker edge. Um, but so there are bands like that. I'm not going to be naive enough to say that there's not, but to lump everybody in and to paint everybody with that same brush is kind of unfair. Um, because I, you know, you could also go into other genres and I could actually pick and choose. I could cherry pick references to things if i do recall here in the past few years you know somebody like beyonce has been accused of being satanic because of some ritual that she's performed during her shows and during a super bowl performance and things like that last time i checked beyonce is not metal even though apparently she's put out a song that's kind of country sounding like call it i haven't listened to it but it's called texas hold'em there's actually a controversy about that now because some country stations weren't playing it because they're like, that's Beyonce. She's not country. Then they're like, listen to the song. They're like, oh, okay, the song is country. Whatever. Another another story for another day. But there have been bands who have actually written songs that were very blatantly pro-Christian songs. Even Black Sabbath did. The song After Forever. Go look at the words of that song. That song is very, very pro-Christian or pro, uh, at least at the very least pro-religion. And people still slam them. They're like, well, that, that song, the way that they're doing it, it must be. No, 
because people want to be like that. All right. All right. Okay. Let's look at you. Let's take a look at you because you're the loudest one in the room. That means that you're trying to hide something. So, but one of the last points I want to say about it, metal to me is very real. And that to me is what kind of matters. It's, it's real. It's not fake. It's not bubble gum. It's not somebody else writing the songs for them and they're just there playing them because you have a lot of pop artists, including some of the most famous ones who they weren't singing their songs. They were singing songs. Somebody else wrote for them. Now the songwriters are, uh, they're making bank, but that's how actually how you get paid in the music business. you be the songwriter. That song makes a million. You're making more than the person singing it. Um, because I'll tell you right now, Whitney Houston basically built Dollywood because the song, uh, I Will Always Love You, that's a Dolly Parton song. Whitney sang it, and that song stayed number one off the Bodyguard soundtrack. And yeah, Whitney made money. Dolly made more money. So like I said, Whitney Houston basically built Dollywood. And, you know, so that's where you make it. But, but that's still Dolly Parton. And I consider Dolly Parton, I have a lot of respect for her because she actually does write her own songs and she can actually play. I knew that she at least plays guitar. Uh, she might play piano too. I'm not sure if somebody listening to me, you know, text me, message me, something me, email me, keep a chat podcast at gmail.com and let me know. Uh, but I know obviously she does play guitar, but, but metal is to me has always been very real for the most part. Like I said, none of these points are exactly 100% like every metal band because we know there are some of the exceptions. Um, thankfully, though, a lot of the exceptions don't last very long. And if somebody says Metallica is not real, what, whatever. You know, good jump on a lake. Whatever. But I will say now that um, I'm no longer a teenager, uh, I mean, I just turned 50 about six months ago. Uh, yes, almost exactly six months ago now. So my taste has actually softened over the years because when I was in high school, for the most part, if it wasn't metal, if it didn't have loud guitar, and this is like, you know, once we moved, like my sophomore year all the way through um, high school, you know, and then couple first couple of years in the Air Force. And actually, I will say then my it got even heavier and heavier and heavier because all of a sudden I was moving places that had even bigger record shops. And, you know, but I mean, over the years, of course, my musical taste did kind of soften because and that's called you're growing up. And so you're not going to be kind of a snob. I mean, I, I was a self-professed metal snob and I was actually on the mixtape podcast. You know, they which talked about that. If it wasn't metal, I, you know, or at the very least like hard rock, I didn't want to listen to it. I had, did have some guilty pleasures, you know, because I did like a little bit of tears for fears. Not gonna lie. Didn't have any of their tapes, but I did like them, but you know, but I, um, but now, I mean, I will listen to other genres. Uh, I still prefer metal. And even like when I get in my car, you know, because I have Sirius XM, you know, I will go to Liquid Metal. I will go to Octane. I will go to Ozzy's Boneyard. I will go to um, Hair Nation. I will go to those type of stations. Um, and, you know, but I do have, there are other ones. And of course, my wife has her her stations programmed in there as well. I did, you know, and I still do have a great appreciation for classic rock because cl a lot of classic rock 
uh, influenced metal later on. A band like a Skinner, Leonard Skinner, who Leonard Skinner, I know are Southern rock, Almond Brothers, uh, same thing. Uh, like a band like Eagles, you know, or just discovered recently that they were just Eagles, not the Eagles, but just Eagles. And all, but I also did like alternative later on when during the nineties when uh, heavier stuff kind of uh, all of a sudden fell by the wayside. Some, with the exception of Pantera. You know, maybe a sprinkling of other bands, but alternative kind of became and grunge became they became like the big things. And so, I mean, I did gravitate towards that. Uh, a band like a Soundgarden, Allison Chains, but also like you know, the Smashing Pumpkins. Like I said, you take the the from the Eagles, you get to the Smashing Pumpkins. I just realized both of those things a few months ago, and I'm 50. But 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 my, my taste did change. I mean, and that's just that's just natural, you know. But I still go back to metal over all other genres. Um, but I can really appreciate any good songwriting, any genre, and including Taylor Swift. And I know she is like the, um, <laughs> excuse me, she is, you know, Taylor Swift has been the main one in the media over the past few years. I don't listen to Taylor Swift's music necessarily. I don't hate it. It's just not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate the good songwriting. Taylor Swift, she writes her own song. She's a multi-instrumentalist. And by the way, she has written diss tracks herself um, against a, a couple of people, Kanye, you know, uh, Katy Perry, apparently. But and but Taylor Swift, I mean, most of her songs, though, I mean, if you, you know, she's got the reputation of love gone bad. And so that's what she writes about. You know, well, I had another breakup. Well, here you go. But I mean, if you look at her lyrics, her lyrics are actually smart. I can appreciate that. You know, I'm just not going to necessarily go out and buy her CDs. I mean, um, why should I join the other 80 million people who have bought her music? And I've been looking, she doesn't need me buying it. She has uh, a huge, huge fan base. But I'll tell you right now, the Swifties are nuts. They're crazier than any metal fan that I know. And I know a lot of crazy metal fans. But before I wrap this up, I just want to say about the metal community. And yeah, I know I just said they're crazy. And believe me, you have some crazies. But the, the majority of the metal community is more accepting of others. And, you know, when I say others, they're more accepting of the people who aren't necessarily metalheads and people who became like new metalheads. Somebody's like, man, I just I just started listening to a band like a nuclear assault or a destruction or a creator, you know. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I really dig them. And I just saw this band. Lamb of God and Trivial Me concert, which I saw them a couple of years ago. Uh, man, I really dug them. I'm starting to kind of like this, you know. Oh, come on, let me let me show you. You know, you like them here? Check this other stuff out. And one of the things also about metal heads, metal community, metal to me is the main genre of music that really crosses racial lines more than any other genre. Because you, when you have a band like Suicidal Tendencies, where you have, um, it's a mixture of white, black, Hispanic, all in the same band. I mean, in fact, because they were a mixed race like that band in Los Angeles, of all places, uh, a lot of the local communities would not let them play. They were accusing them of being a gang because like, wait a minute, you have all these different races in your group. Oh, you must be a gang. Really? That's what you got out of that. And then, you know, right now you also have um, like Seven Dust, 
Lejon Witherspoon. I mean, he's, you know, he's a black dude. He's singing metal. You have other bands that are out there, uh, even death metal bands like a suffocation. And you have, uh, some of these bands where they're all black. And then you have, um, you know, living color. I know living color aren't necessarily metal, but I mean, they're pretty close to it. And, but to me, I mean, that's just, it shows metalheads kind of bond period. I've been to metal shows, you know, and I will admit, yes, metal shows, metal is probably predominantly white. I mean, I'm, and I'm not going to, like I said, be naive, but, but I have seen a mixture of every race at a metal show and a lot of Asian metal bands coming out of Japan. And, you know, cause that's another place they have a lot of good, good metal, com- um, you know, like a good, you know, a good base there. And, and I've obviously, you know, I've been to Japan. I lived there twice and, oh yeah, I mean, they, oh, they love some metal over in Japan. And then you go, of course, um, like over in Europe, I mean, there's ton and ton and ton of metal bands, but there's even bands like in South Africa, there's metal bands. And there's a documentary. Um, you first is that, you know, the same guy named Sam Dunn, he's out of Cana- uh, Canada. He's Canadian. He's out of Canada. He's an anthropologist by trade. And he actually, uh, he, he, when he finished his master's, he actually did his uh, thesis um, or capstone project, whatever you want to call it, his dissertation on heavy metal because he, anthropology is a study of cultures. And he actually did on heavy metal, you know, and he called it a headbanger's journey. And then he did a follow-up to that called Global Metal because he had traveled to um, a couple different countries to do the first part, but then he went even more places on the second one when he realized, you know, all these other different countries that metal really is a global thing. It crosses racial boundaries. It crosses international boundaries because he went to Brazil. Of course, you have a band like Sepultura who are from Brazil. Uh, even though now they're lead singers, a black dude from Cleveland. Good figure. But either way, I mean, that kind of proves my point. He went to Indonesia. He went to India. He went to Japan. He went, he went to China. There was a, a guy over there who had, um, grew up in America, but I mean, but he was Chinese by his, you know, his, um, ancestry. And he had actually moved back to China because I guess his parents had immigrated, but he had, he was in China. He had a metal band there. And then, uh, this guy, Sam Dunn, he also went to um, Saudi Arabia. He went to, uh, he did not go to Iraq, but uh, um, but he went to uh, the United Arab Emirates. They actually had a, like a festival there, like a metal festival in, in every country. Now, I will say um, those countries over there, some of those in that region or some, they, they actually have banned metal. And if they, um, some of the local governments, if they, to suspect somebody's a metalhead, they will actually arrest them and accuse them of being satanic. Uh, but he went to those countries. He went to Israel. And like I said, I mean, so metal to me, I mean, it just, it's global. Fortunately, I mean, there, there are some gatekeepers, but fortunately not as many as um, you, what there, I guess there could be because metal it's, exclusive but it's inclusive at the same time and the gatekeepers are the ones that once they try to gatekeep everybody else says you know basically knock it off you can't put a limit on art you can't you know say well we we have a quota we're going to hit that and that's it nobody else can it's it's art it's there for everybody to listen to and appreciate but one of the things um about the gatekeeping 
when Stranger Things, uh, the latest episode that was actually released of Stranger Things came out, and you had the character Eddie, when he actually, he got on top of his trailer at the Upside Down, and they found out music actually attracts, you know, these demons that were attacking him. He cranked up the song Master Puppets. And of course, I'm like, you know, I'm watching on my laptop and I'm like throwing the horns up and I'm like, yeah, you know, and I'm headbanging, you know. Well, there were people who didn't like that. They're like, how dare you? Uh, because these new, these kids that are, well, kids, I mean, they're teenagers, young adults, you know, they're not allowed to like this. And they're like, why can't they? Wouldn't you be happy if somebody actually liked something that you already liked and it's something that they can enjoy? You know, you can't keep them from listening to it because now you're you're kind of being the opposite of the person that you're claiming you, that was oppressing you. You're actually now you're being the oppressor, but for a total opposite reason. The first time, you know, you had somebody like I said before, it's my dad telling me he didn't want me to bring in his house because it was bad. So he didn't want me listening to it because he thought it was bad. Well, there's the opposite of that now where somebody said, I don't want you listening to it because it's mine. It's music, dude. Seriously, chill. You know, why wouldn't you want them because they're not allowed to enjoy it because you enjoy it? That makes zero sense to me. You know, but thankfully, you know, that's kind of been squashed. I mean, I'll be the first time person to tell somebody, knock it off. You know, you don't get to own music. You don't get to say, you know, you don't get to make the statement, well, they're a bunch of posers. They like something you like, so that makes them posers. No, if they're pretending to like it, that's what a poser is. When somebody's pretending they like it for real, that's not a poser, you know, but that being said, though, with the metal community, and I felt like when I first listened to it, you know, and I really, when you found all the other metal heads out there, and yes, I do know there's a stereotype. Yes, I had a denim jacket. No, I did not have a bunch of patches on it. I did have buttons. I just didn't have a bunch of patches. And I thought I wouldn't have, I just didn't have it, you know, but, um, but you felt like, and you still, and I still kind of feel like a part of something bigger than me. And, you know, and so it's part of like you're you're part of a huge family that gets you and they understand you. And I don't know about the other other uh, genres. I think the closest to that may be rap uh, because that's another rap is another subculture. Metal is a subculture. Country, sort of. Uh, pop music, forget it. Pop, short for popular so it's whatever the flavor is at the time, the preferred flavor of the month is at the time. And so that's why it, that would never have a really a, a true subculture because it's constantly changing. You know, what's pop right now, a year from now, won't be. It'll be totally different. You know, and so you'll see the people, but metal, you know, you can tell a metalhead, like, obviously if they're at their job, you may not be able to tell, but... But when you see them on the street, they're wearing like the black T-shirt um, of whatever their band is. Or they're wearing sometimes a denim jacket. I've actually seen them more and more lately. You know, but there's just a way they, they're going about things that you know that's a metalhead. Same thing with rap. You can tell somebody, oh, okay, uh, the way that dude is dressed, he must like um, rap, you know, at the very least hip-hop. I was told there actually is a difference, and I actually do kind of see the difference. You know, hip hop's a little bit more lighter, and that's like the hard rock, heavy metal, where you have hip hop and you have rap, and then you have gangster rap, which would be like extreme metal. You know, but even at my current age, I mean, that's why I can't see myself not listening to it. Um, 
you know, so that's why I enjoy it. Hopefully I didn't bore you too much. Hopefully it wasn't a history lesson. Hopefully, you know, you didn't, you know, you're in your car. You didn't like drive out the road because it put you to sleep, you know, but give me some feedback. Like I said, keep a chat podcast at gmail.com. Uh, once again, I want to thank Nate Metz and Stoveleg Media for being part of their family. You know, but until we can speak again, God bless you.